Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I'm Trevin Stolzfus, and I am here with Mile High Game Calls. Tom. Hey, Trevin. Good to see you. Good to see you. We got Thomas. Morning. And we got Jesse. Morning. So tell us about this family business, really, and how it started. And, and uh, you know, uh, there's a couple things I always say. If I was getting into this industry, I wouldn't want to get into the bow business. I wouldn't want to get into the camel business. And I don't know if I want to get into the call business. Yeah, I don't blame you because it is a competitive business. It's competitive and it's, uh, you know, the price points aren't, uh, you know, it's it's not like you can work. You have to do it in volume. Yeah, you do. Yep. So, um, and especially in a situation like you guys where you, uh, uh, you really have quite a reputation in the elk calling. Well, right, right. How many elk hunters in the world are there versus whitetail hunters? You know, I mean, right. I always tell people, uh, they, they say, wow, you get to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, look, I'm, I'm in the minority. The majority goes out their back door and hunts turkeys. They hunt, uh, you know, uh, whitetail. Exactly. That, we are really blessed to be out here. We can go out our back door and there's elk and mule deer and antelope and mm -hmm. sheep and goats and stuff like that. So, yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about Yeah, so uh, the business kind of started late of course you know late in the game but uh i've been elk hunting and uh bow hunting and uh, muzzleloader hunting i think my first real bow hunt i went on was in 1986 and started picking up the diaphragms way back then and uh, i just had a knack for it i was really good at calling you know and uh and then uh got married back then and had these two guys and uh started going to a lot of uh cba jamborees and bow hunt stuff like that and you know it was a great family adventure you know great family events that they put on and um, we'd show up and i had these guys up on stage at the little elk calling contests up there in the woods and uh thomas was back then was screaming with his voice and jesse was doing the same thing and and then uh, as they got older they kind of went into the reeds and stuff and i just kept competing at a higher level you know and uh, i I think my first national contest was in 1990 and um, we just started doing really well with our calling contest stuff and then I thought you know I wish there was a way we could market something for this you know we won all these great uh, contests these national contests and stuff and I said let's try to market something so I went out bought the presses made about 1500 calls before I got the recipes down to the way they should be with stretch and thickness of latex and uh, came out with three diaphragms the contender the rival and the warrior the single double triple read and that was kind of what started the business those three diaphragms and um, then I was making grunt tubes out of baseball bats and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, sawing them off and putting little connectors on them and then that got old and you know I was selling too many of them I could keep up so ended up having to do a mold and design my own grunt tube and uh, that's where the antagonizer grunt tube was came from and you know and like you I've I, I don't do this full-time so I got a full-time job too and mm -hmm. you know and now like every business owner that starts a business you know, you're just wondering how big do we want to get, you know, to right. keep that, up, you know. There's that point of diminishing returns where you, your volume increases, but your your expenditures increase at an equal or greater rate sometimes. Right. And it's, it's you know, that bell curve where you're like, okay, is this really worth it? I'm going to do three times the work to create the same revenue. Right, right. My grandpa always told me a story. He said, you know what, don't go take a job and break even because you can stay around the house and work on the house 
and break even. Right. You know, right. where, where you're right. doing something for yourself, right. but you're not making any money. So don't go do that for somebody else. You know, make sure you're, it's profitable. And so, enjoyable. And enjoyable. Is, That's you know? the yeah. I mean, why do, why do we do this? I don't need what I do to make a living. Right. I make a living elsewhere and I've chosen to not quit that job because we talked about this the other yeah. day, the finickiness of this industry. But why I do it is because it's my passion. And the day I wake up and the good Lord chooses to uh, take that passion away from me, I'll do something else. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, but that, so when did you see uh, those three products? And, and and that you 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 know you kind of that was your launch. When did you say, oh, we might have something here? Yeah, it was. You know, it was funny because I started making the calls at first just for my friends and family and passing them out and stuff. And everybody was like, man, these are really good calls. Really easy to use. They sound great. And people just started telling other people. And then pretty soon I was getting people I didn't know asking me for calls. So I was like we got to package these and start selling them, you know? And so we started doing that. And then I uh, networked a little bit and got out there and knocked on doors and um, some stores picked it up. And that's when I really started seeing like Jax, Jax was Mm -hmm. interested in carrying Mm -hmm. them. And Mm -hmm. that's when I said, you know, I think we've got something going here. You know, if I can get my foot in a store and now we're in Sportsman's Warehouse, Jax, Shields, you know, and it's starting to, starting to add up. But I'll tell you the first order I got from Sportsman's Warehouse was over 900 reads. And that almost knocked me off my feet. I was like, because I hand make every single call myself. So, you know, it's a lot of time behind the press in the basement, just one at a time making making that call, you know, and it's a high quality call. Um, The thing you get with our calls is you get a real consistent call because I'm the only one making them, you know. So these guys don't make them. They just help me sell them and and, uh, just really help their dad, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Yeah, well... It takes it takes a village. It does. I mean, uh, so t- Thomas, tell me about you. Uh, you know, the son. You see, Dad jumping into this. What was going through? You were raised around this environment of calling and competition, so it wasn't foreign to you. Mm-mm. But tell me, what, what were you seeing happening? Yeah, and I mean, like you said there, it wasn't foreign to me. We grew up around it. I'm pretty sure I could out call before I could even walk. Um, he's got videos of me when I was a kid, you know, just using my voice bugling through a tube. That, that um, got all screwed so, yeah. up when, when, when you hit puberty, huh? <laughs> yeah. Dang it. It was good, too. I mean, you could do a lot of... A lot of good out calling with your natural voice if you practice at it right. hard enough. Um, right. There's still some good natural voice callers out there. Uh, but like you said, you know, around that 14, 15-year-old age, I had to switch over to the reeds, the diaphragms. Um, and, and, you know, it was – we really enjoyed it. We, we couldn't really find the reeds that we liked, you know, consistency-wise. And so when he told me he wanted to start his own business – well, not even business. He just wanted to buy the presses for us so we could, you know, Make develop a call yeah. for us. Um, because wow. everybody's mouth is a little different. Everybody's, you know, diaphragm is a little different. Uh, the roof of your mouth is different, you know, so on and so forth, the placement. So when he told me he wanted to, you know, experiment on me and have me try reeds out and give them to my hunting buddies and see, you know, if they liked them, uh, you know, I fully backed them. Uh, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. Um, you know, originally, like he said, it was just in the basement making a call for me and his hunting partner himself, Jesse. And then uh, next thing you know, more and more people were wanting it. And uh, he wanted to start doing this. So I've always told him, you know, if he wants help making calls, 
I'm there for him, but he won't let me make the diaphragms yet. He's, he, he likes to complain about how busy he is making them, but when you ask him to help, he's like, well, you can put the tubes together. So put the covers on the tubes and, you know. Hey, maybe one day you'll so, get promoted. <laughs> you know, here's the crazy thing. You'll probably get to that position and go, this sucks. Yeah, exactly. I want to go back to the tubes. Yeah. Right. I'll put the covers on the tubes. And, and you know, that is, that is one thing that we, we do. Everything's handmade here in Colorado. Um, so we're definitely taking off in Colorado, starting to venture out into other states as well. Um, so, you know, I, I fully back my dad and everything that this business is doing. And, you know, if we want to do more shows in the future, I'll be there to help him sell them and mm. um, compete in the competitions and see what we can grow this thing into. That's awesome. And Jesse, you um, being a female in the outdoor industry, period, um, uh, I mean, I we have some amazing guests. We got the Donnell and Lisa, you know, from the hunting divas and stuff like that. Uh, but so here you are, you're sitting. Yes. Okay. I think of my 13 <laughs> year old girl and I'm not sure how she would take, Hey, <laughs> I need you to come and use your voice. And I, I mean, she would play around, but right. how did you walk me through that journey for you? Yeah. I think it was definitely because we were exposed so young. Right. And so it just was, it was natural for us. It was fun. It was all about family. The jamborees are some of my most treasured memories with my family. Mm -hmm. I mean, just getting up there and being outdoors, you know, archery shoots and, and the calling. And it was all just our family thing. And so I think just embracing it that way and um, kind of, you know, you kind of poke fun at yourself. Like it, it is funny. It's, it's an attraction, you know, when you're um, growing up and doing these things and your friends are like, Wait, okay, wait a minute. You do what? <laughs> yeah. Help you, what What do help? you mean, you know? And so it's kind of just like one of those things where you embrace it and you, you poke fun at yourself. But, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm pretty, I'm proud of it. It's something that right. not a lot of people have a talent for and they don't really understand what it does and how it does bring families together and just enjoying the outdoors. But you guys really from a young age also went out and hunted mm -hmm. using that, using that, uh, the skills that you developed in the competitions in real life now for, for for you guys as young individuals what was it like when you came out and you took what dad was teaching you and you, what you were using in competitions and you put it into play in the real world and saw that first reaction from elk what was that like for you guys i was a pretty young age when i went out i'd go out with my dad just hunting around uh local up by towards estes park right, and yeah. area 20 you know mm -hmm. and uh I was probably in elementary school. I, would, I wasn't hunting, but I'd just go out with my dad and call with my voice. And I remember I called in a spike. The very first elk I called in was a spike, and he came running in to, you know, 10 yards. And uh, back then you could shoot spikes in that unit, and uh, his hunting partner actually ended up shooting it with a muzzleloader. And just seeing that in the field, I mean, we'd go up. Our grandparents lived in Estes Park growing up. So we grew up calling elk into her yard mm -hmm. like all the time. So, but okay. those elk, it was a little different when you're in the action, in the actual woods, not Estes Park, like the valley, you know, where the right. elk are pretty much tame. But going out and getting that bull to answer, to come into you, you know, almost, you know, manipulating the wild to think that you are, you know, an elk to make right. it come in. And, you know, that was, it's, it's a lot like tying your own flies, right? Mm -hmm. When you tie your own fly, you you catch that fish it's a little bit more rewarding yeah so calling in that elk yourself not just somebody else doing it for you you know it's definitely a rewarding experience and so. then and then for me i would think it's it's even probably a step uh 
more pure. I don't know if this is the right word, but uh, when you're doing it with your voice, mm -hmm. something that God gave you that you have. But then it, it's also cool to be able to build. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like building a call and calling an elk in with it is, yep. uh, to me, more akin to that fly, building right. fly and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. So and w what's your probably fondest or most impactful is impactful a word <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think so, so. Um, it is today. Um, okay <laughs> impactful memory of an encounter that you had when you were young boy i don't know i'd have to say like even just that experience of being like in estes park or going through the park you know and just being able to see the animals you know, reenact that. I, I don't have a specific memory that I can really recall, but I just, I remember I just loved it, you know, going and even just off the deck, like our grandparents has, they just have an oasis where they live. And so it was just, it was just really fun to just be able to be like, there they are across the valley. And then we'd start calling and see them just slowly start moving, you know, toward us. And it was like, this is cool, man. You know, like we're, that's us. We're making them come this way. And do you, do, and, uh, when you switch the idea of, Turkeys being feathered elk. I, I, <laughs> I use that reference all the time. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, you know, do 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 you get that same feeling as a young individual? Um, you know, when you were would call, to me, elk were so big. Mm. Right. It, I don't know if the impact was bigger, but to me, I felt like it was mm -hmm. when I was younger. I remember in 4-H and and FFA, you you could you could show sheep or lambs or or rabbits, or you could show a steer. And to me, the magnitude of the animal, right. it, I don't know why it's not. I think it does for yeah. me, too. Yeah. I mean, I I won't say that my heart hasn't pumped to <laughs> call a turkey in before because I've gotten so excited. I've, I've shot and missed with a shotgun and shot over their head before I right. even yeah. knew what happened. And he was with me on that occasion. But um, one of the one of my fondest re memories, I think, and when these guys early childhood is when we used to go up and uh, do the ranching for wildlife hunts oh, for the cow absolutely. hunts. Oh yeah. And you know, one year I took these guys up and I mean, we were seeing herds of 200 elk mm -hmm. and we'd sit up on a knob and try to get in front of them. And you know, that's pretty much sagebrush country. So it's hard to get, get to them. Plus we were going through six, eight inches of snow, snow. and you know, the elk are running and then we'd get set up on this ridge and here comes the next 150 elk. And I'm a nervous rack <laughs> thinking, don't shoot, you know, you're going to get more than one elk. And, and so I'm, I told these guys, I'm just going to try a bugle. So I bugle, it's December. I bugle off the top of this ridge and 25 elk break out of the herd, run right up and they get a 40 yard mm -hmm. shot at them right in front of us, you know, and that's awesome. we're yeah. like, oh my gosh. And that was Jesse's first elk. And yeah. I think Thomas's as well, you know, and mm -hmm. yeah. those, those are some of my fondest memories. Yeah, they were absolutely. cows, but it's still yeah, it doesn't matter. just awesome, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I have uh, talking about voice calling. So um, I, ch I chew snuff, mm -hmm. okay. I have quit many times. I don't. I don't. My de my father-in-law's a dentist. I don't. You know. So I know. <laughs> but um, I was filming Cameron Haynes when I was back back when I used to work for Eastman's Hunting Journal in two thousand three or four, and we were back in deep. And there's a whole another story. I lost nine pounds. We had four days <laughs> worth of food. Oh I mean, <laughs> we had four days worth of food, and we killed this bull on the ninth morning. Oh, oh my god! Uh, but. We're, we we get in this situation, and I'm using 
um, uh, a diaphragm and that well, that hyperlip single that uh, uh, you know open read that uh, Primos used makes, to make. Yeah. Okay, um, and this is again a long long right. time ago, and there wasn't a lot of really solid options. And I used the Primos stuff because I had relationships with Jim Horn. He was as I was telling you the other day, he was one of my mentors. Jim Horn really was influential in helping me navigate the the minutia of the outdoor industry as I when I was young, um, I you know younger. Um, so we come into this draw, and uh, I can hear these uh, these elk up on this flat, and Cameron didn't call at that time. He, he just snuck up on elk and shot them. Mm -hmm. um, and I was a pretty firm believer in calling. It's it had used it since I was a kid in, in New Mexico guiding, and so I I gave a you know one of them you know a real real drawn out on that hyperlip single and. We bull bugles, and so we're like, we got to get over here. Well, we get down into this, and there's this table, and um, by then, um, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to get in position. I'm going to get the camera. So I took a chew, big old fatty, <laughs> right? I didn't throw my diaphragm in, and, um, and I get it down here, and so I'm running the camera as we're trying to move across open country, and I look up. And right, we're trying to get up so that we can just see them as they come, and we know we're going to be close. <laughs> and I, I get up and I see antlers coming over the deal. Well, Cameron's probably from me to halfway in that aisle, right? So I'm a little bit behind him, and I'm, I'm, I'm recording, and I'm like, Cam, right there, right there, right there, and the bull's just coming. And, and he's a decent bull. He's a real decent bull. And uh, so so he's coming like this, and, and and I'm like, get ready, get ready, get ready. And I, I don't know when he's going to draw. I don't know if he's going to have time to draw. There's no cover. <laughs> and so he comes over, and Cam comes to full draw. Bull's head on 15 yards. Of course, the bull goes, boom, takes off, right, kind of at an angle. Cam's at full draw like this. And that, so I go, Ew. and the bull goes, <laughs> and he shoots him. That's awesome. So it was all I could think. Now, Cameron said that it was, I said, meow. <laughs> he said, why did you meow? I said, I didn't meow. I said, I eowed. <laughs> you know, that's all I, because that's all I could think to do. And the bull, but it was just, it was just perfect. The bull and gave, me, gave him that quarter and away shot. So that's my mouth calling. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, calling, I mean, it makes you believe it once you start yeah. doing it. I'm sure, you know. I follow Cameron Haynes too, and you know I'm sure he does a lot of calling now, and I know he's really into the spot and stock stuff too. But I've got friends, you know, or just people who come here and buy calls from us. You know, they've never called before. They are tree hunt, and they've been unsuccessful for 10 years. I'm like, well, do you call? And you know, a lot of people don't call in the woods. But what do you so. think that is? Let's talk about that because I actually have an mm -hmm. I, I have a good friend uh, that I believe you guys know, um, Justin and Shelley. Yep. yep. And Justin and I have had this conversation, and I, Justin is a, I have the utmost respect. He's a heck of a hunter. Yes. Shelly is too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but he doesn't like to call. Mm -hmm. What? Why do you think it is that people don't like to call? I think a lot of people don't call because they're afraid to break the silence. They're afraid to screw up. They're afraid to make the wrong call, scare the elk away, uh, call in a hunter. Um, you know, and we've done all of those things, but that's things you learn from. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like to call, just I think it's mainly because they're afraid to or they don't practice enough. Um, you know, people buy a call the week before the season, put it in their mouth, they're not making good noise, they give up on it for a year. 
you know, it's just like duck calling, goose calling. You're not going to be good at it the first time you try it, but, you know, in order to call them in, you usually have to call. Um, so my main reason, I think, is people are afraid to or they don't want to call in a hunter because, I mean, we do call in a lot of hunters out there. We hunt public land, heavy hunted public land. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So we do call in hunters, but it might just be me coming from a calling family. Obviously, we make calls. You know, I have to use them. Um, so, but I wouldn't go in the field without them. Uh, I just feel useless if I hear a bull bugle and I try to go after him. They're a lot faster than me. They're, they can smell better than me. They can hear better than me. Right. Um, I've never been a huge spot and stock guy for elk. Um, but if I had to guess why people are don't call, it's because they aren't as good at calling um, or they're afraid to. I, I think you hit it on the head, breaking the silence. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something about being out there and... You hear um, all the birds chirping in yeah, the morning, it's, it's just great. quiet. And then and, for you to break that silence, mm-hmm. a lot of guys... Okay, they won't they won't make that first call in the morning. They'll let an elk bugle on mm-hmm. his own. Then now it's kind of like it. Okay, all right. There's now there's I'm not the, the first area. one. Yeah. Um, I, See, I think I, breaking I think, the silence. If there is elk in the area, but there's also hunters in the area, if they break that silence first, he might go to them first. Yeah. Well, so. no, I totally agree with that. But I also think that you hit the nail on the head when you deal with when you're talking about. Um, when you're talking about practice and a lack of education, mm-hmm. um, I think that's an intimidating thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. What, well, yeah. with, with Justin, for example, I've Justin and Shelly, mm-hmm. I've had discussions with Justin. Justin doesn't call. Um, he does not call. And he says, it, it, I, I, it just doesn't work for me. So what I think that is, um, and, and uh, I can be honest, Justin and I are good friends, is I just think he doesn't have a confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard, and I know you guys will back me up on this, some of the worst freaking bugles out in the woods. And I'm like, God, I wish that guy would freaking just go to YouTube, go get a Primo's VHS, learn to call, and then a bull steps out. And you're standing there with your bow and your rifle. It happens all the time. I got a story about that. Uh, One year, uh, my hunting partner, Tracy Griscoviak, which I think you're familiar with him Mm -hmm. too, he's friends with. Justin and Shelly, but we had this one unit all the time and we get down into this unit and we're standing up on this ridge and we hear this God awful bugle down in, down in the trees. You're like, ah, you know, and <laughs> we start laughing we're getting laughing. So I pull out all the contest bugling, you know, I'm like ripping off a big bugle and this thing's answering me <laughs> and we're laughing and we're thinking, oh man, we're going to really fool this hunter. He's going to be so mad. And finally I looked at Tracy, I go, you know, he's covering a lot of ground pretty fast. He must be running. So we start laughing <laughs> again, you know, all of a sudden this bull steps out right in front of us, 30 yards. <laughs> and oh my God, we just couldn't believe it. So for three, the next three days, we go back down into that thing, and I can hear that thing down there. Blah, blah. About the fourth day, instead of a blah, I hear a little growl and a kind of a lame little bugle. About the fifth day, he's screaming down there. So I told Tracy, I go, I can't believe this, but I can even teach elk how to bugle. And we were laughing about that. It was, it was just so funny. Well, and, and, I, and I think if you can learn, uh, we, I was asking you questions on the Facebook Live thing last night, but if you can learn a, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a basic mew, mm-hmm. a cow call, mm-hmm. maybe an estrus wine. Sure. 
you know, gets yeah. that nasal. Um, we were talking about the buzz. <laughs> I, uh, I have gone through a journey myself, having called elk for years. And never realized I could trim. I'm a moron. Trim never that. realized I could trim the tape. Yeah. And so I've, always, latex, yeah. so I've always struggled with getting good fit. Mm-hmm. And so some naturally fit. Uh, the tape that was more palatable or moldable, like uh-huh. it was softer, it wasn't as stiff. Always, I always did better with those. Sure. Um, has nothing to do with the latex in the middle, <laughs> right? So, um, but I've all I've never been able to do that that mew with that buzz, that kind of that really estrus whine or cry right. or whatever mm-hmm. they call it in the world today. There's tons of you know everybody <laughs> calls it. Yeah. Chris Rowe calls it one thing. Hyper high, 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 yeah, high, all kinds of so, names, yeah. Um, but after I'd learned to do that, so that it the the, the diaphragm was actually fitting properly in my mouth, and I got good, it sealed the, the air properly. Then I could add that little bit of you know a little yeah. voice into it and mm-hmm. i didn't blow because what i would do is i just i just blow the read out right mm-hmm. yeah so and fit is so important yeah, yeah. yeah. so diaphragms. so i think if, if people can just understand that you do not have to be a competition elk caller and mm-hmm. I, there's times i will go and i'll just be jack legging around and so a bull will bugle and i'll freaking <laughs> I'll lip balm right. and just get, <laughs> and, and freaking next thing he's two bridges over yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm like well that wasn't very smart <laughs> because I mean you know it's 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 about uh, sometimes uh, you know, depending upon the phase of of the, of the rut sometimes it's just a feeling out process mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes it's like you know hey who's over there who's over there and then as you get into it it becomes a comp- the competitive mm-hmm. you know and 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 the locate and the, you know so it, if you can just realize that if I can get a basic locate bugle, a challenge bugle is good to have if you get in close, but you can even do that. You don't have to get too aggressive. Just add a little bit more voice, a little growl in the, the beginning, and that's easy to do. Yeah. Once you once you develop that locate, here I am acting like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but this <laughs> no, is, what, right. this is my experience. <laughs> yeah. um, and, of course, I've had people like uh, Jason Phelps and Rocky Jacobson and Corey. Um, I have picked their brain. Sure. And, um, uh, you know, it's like Corey. Corey will not go after a bull that, that would only respond to a cow call. He won't do it. He wants a bull that will, will respond to his bugle and want to play, which might mean he has to walk an extra 12 right. miles that right. day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Me? I'll kill a bull off the friggin' road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to fill the freezer? I, I mean, to, to me, I don't care if I have to use a whippoorwill claw <laughs> or, you know. Right. So, um, and I think that's much more the norm of, of, the same of way, hunters. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Jason Phelps the same way. I mean, he's a, he, he cow call, cow call, and then when he gets in there. But um, I, I do think that in a situation, uh, if you learn three, four basic calls mm-hmm. and just practice those and don't get... I, what I always do, too, is I listen to the elk yeah. and I try and mimic them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if, exactly. if a bull stops calling or stops... I quit. I, I don't keep tooting my, my little bugle. Right. You know, if, if cows are talking, I'll get... A, I'll, I'll maintain that same level of excitement. Um, I'm not at the Chris Rowe that I know exactly what I'm saying. I just, I mean, I know, hello, where's the bathroom, and can I have another beer? Right. I mean, basically, that's all I know in, in elk talk, right? Just the basics, kind of like my Spanish. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that in a situation, if you do that, if you use it sparingly, there does come a point, just like in turkey hunting, I think shutting up is the prime mm-hmm. thing to do, and you make them come find you. Right. And if you do that, uh, and a lot of times in that position, you've moved to 
you know, a certain point, man, now now you're in where, especially if you're calling for yourself, you're you're in the you're in the sticks. You know, one of the points you hit just a little bit ago was uh, confidence, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I sell is confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, when I do my elk calling classes, I find that when people come to my class, a lot of it is just about. Am I good enough to call in the woods by the time they leave? Mm-hmm. And that's what they pay for, you right. know, because I've had guys in there that I and I've told them, you're you know, you're good. You can you can call an elk in. You're good enough to call an elk in. They you don't have guys, confidence yeah. in yourself. They hear guys like us calling on YouTube right. or, you know, at right. Worlds. And they're like, holy cow, yeah. like, I don't sound like that. I'm not going to call in the woods. But right. just like competition calling, you said, what we do in competition, <laughs> nothing like what we do in the woods. Right. Occasionally, I'll throw in a little something if the bulls, you know, when the right chance prevents it or prevails itself, I do that. But yeah, <clears throat> like you said, those three basic calls, like what he sells in the class, just those three basic calls, the locator bugle. And the confidence and breaking that silence. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that's the, the thing that I think most people are afraid to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot so. of times, you know, after the season's over, I'll call some of my customers up and they'll still be like, I was sitting out there and it was just so peaceful and so quiet. I just couldn't blow the call. I didn't want to interrupt nature. And I'm always telling them, you got to break the silence. Mm-hmm. you got to break. There's bulls walking past you and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. I go, you got to break the silence and get those calls out of your pocket. Is it going to work every time? No. Like you said, sometimes you say the wrong thing and the bull heads south, you know. But, hey, I live and die by it. And I've killed over 30 elk with my bow and muzzleloader. And I wouldn't have killed, you know, a third of those without calling. I mean. And part of it to me is just the fascination and how cool is it to communicate mm-hmm. with, with a critter yeah it is it's awesome i mean i'll tell you what i wouldn't turkey hunt if they didn't if i no. couldn't call them yeah mm-hmm. I, I because don't I, don't, I would either i don't give a i mean maybe i might sneak up on one because they're pretty weary and mm-hmm. i mean that, that that's a pretty cool that's a it, it's like in Colorado, that's there's two seasons, the fall and the spring. Mm-hmm. I don't hunt the fall. I know. Right. But I always hunt the spring season <laughs> because we fall. call them in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you were talking about the, the feathered elk earlier, right, being the turkey. Um, I have some friends that are diehard turkey hunters, never elk hunted in their lives. And uh, my dad took CJ up this year, and I took him up the year before elk hunting. And he's always rifle elk hunted, so he's never really experienced the rut. Right. And, you know, he's a turkey hunter, diehard. Like, he goes to all different states, and he... You know his adrenaline gets going when he hears a turkey and i took him out elk hunting and he was filming for me that year and you know the footage is just him shaking <laughs> here's an bugle on his you can just hear him breathing and shaking yeah. and so it's it's definitely like you said the bigger animal like the 4-h you're showing the bigger animal it's all about that so yeah. <laughs> well i i i do think that uh i do think that it's uh turkey's a great way to introduce like these kids right here you yep. know mm-hmm. to get yep. them into a position where they can see uh, the forest come alive mm-hmm. the river bottom come alive deer mm-hmm. owls you know whatever it might be and then then the, you know the dawn cracks and you hear mm-hmm. you know and then it's all down the river yeah. bottom. i mean it's what i did with my daughter mm-hmm. and it's just an incredible incredible feeling you yep. know Everybody I've introduced to the outdoors, one of the first hunts we always take them on is turkey. Just because, like you said, it's it's a little easier than elk hunting for, for sure. Um, and just and it's you a little can get more them control. To, yeah. One of the things, elk hunting, just setting up the, the mm-hmm. 
the the planning is huge. You're a turkey hunt. You're like, okay, uh, you know, we could we spend an hour, hour and a half there, maybe, maybe not even that far, depending upon where you yep. live, right? And then. Uh, you can camp or you can not camp. You can hunt just the morning. You can hunt just mm-hmm. the evening. I mean, there's there's midday stuff. Hey, I'm going to go out and see if I can get where they're loafing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, nah. right. You get that midday turkey gobbling, you, you know yeah, he's coming. Yeah, you know he's coming. Yeah. Yeah. You know he's coming, yeah. <laughs> well, this has been fun, guys. And here's one thing I want to do since we're, I mean, we're in Windsor. You're Loveland. Yeah. Uh, we really ought to um, get together and do some, some, I mean, I'm by no means a, a, a finished caller you know what i mean how you have finished carpenters mm-hmm. right you know i'm one of the rough guys that kind of in the sawmill i'll cut the lumber yep. but it'd be fun just to get together and to go through some techniques maybe even get some cameras running and yeah. stuff like that but but have you guys walk through some uh, heck we could even do some turkey hunting stuff like that too but just to be able to get people uh information mm-hmm. um that's not intimidating right yep. um like like your dad said when the customers or the clients or the friends that you have been teaching leave your teaching seminar or mm-hmm. whatever they feel oh i can do this well yeah. that's what we want to give to people yep. you know but there, there's the also there's also mm-hmm. a point to where you go okay i don't know what to do in this situation right and at least if you have some input from people like you, people like us, I know we've had some interesting situations where I go, well, you should have done that. Yep. And they're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yep. Well, it's because I've been in that situation before. And I've grabbed a Montana decoy and popped it out. Yep. And it's changed the game. You know? Right. So, but anyway, we need to do that. Let's, let's make a plan on that. And um, it's crazy that we're so close to each other and we don't, we don't, you know, we're not using the re- the, the combined resources yeah, exactly. of of. Of that teaching tool so yeah but uh yeah no, we'll definitely get together and do it and uh you know we can help some people out that's what we're all about getting yeah. people into the woods and you know promoting the promoting the i guess fun yeah of the elk okay before we go if there is let's do let's do turkey and elk if there is uh a cup one or two maybe maybe two uh calls brand new turkey hunter what could we? What information could we give them about um, what calls to get, and mm-hmm. maybe real briefly the basic calls? Okay. Well, <clears throat> we obviously make diaphragm calls for my high note game calls. We don't make the box calls. We don't make the slate calls. Sure. Um, just because that's a whole different level of than what we're into. Um, for a beginner hunter. I would honestly say either the box call or the slate call just because they're easier to use. Sure. And do you um, have any any uh, things? What do you use? I use just the diaphragm, but okay. that's just because that's what I know that's how to use. Got, right. um, the main reason why I use it is it's hands-free. Right. Um, you right. can call with it in your mouth while you got your gun or bow mm-hmm. ready to go. Right. Um, you know, it, it, the slate call, you have to use two hands. Box mm-hmm. call, you have to use two yeah. hands. Um, so you have you ever tried those close. little boxes that have the little one? Um, yeah, the little purring. Yeah, like little I, I've, I've never, I've never played with them. I've heard people say, "Oh, I love them." It's because it's just one hand yeah. in a shotgun situation. They yep, can put it can. in their forehand and kick. You know, I don't exactly. know. Yeah, no, that's a good call. I didn't think about that one. We've, um, we've never, never used tried it. But it. Yeah. I'm just, I was asking him, I said, you know, Tom, Tom's been, uh, if you heard that bugle, Tom's uh, mm-hmm. uh, taking care of people in the booth. You know, his <laughs> business comes first here. Yeah. Um, but for what, what we were talking about is if somebody's new to turkey hunting, um, and, you know, what, what simple, quick advice could we give him? 
Um, and he was mentioning the fact that you know a box call might be easier to manipulate than a diaphragm first first hand. Sure. But the, the ease of a diaphragm, I cannot. A turkey ain't that smart. Right, right. You know, uh, they're so smart, they're dumb. Right. If yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's the smartest, stupidest bird I've ever hunted. But with a, the correct fitting diaphragm, you can literally learn the simple, simple cluck. Simple cluck. Yeah. Um, you know, you start simple getting pun. into the yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you know, you don't have to do a purr. You don't have to. No. There's a lot. If you can just have a decoy and I've been using those Montana decoys that are foldable uh-huh. and they work great I mean oh, they yeah. work great and I put a couple out there and again I'm not the greatest call uh, caller I mean I can do a few few more than the basics but you don't need much you need to catch their attention especially if you have a decoy and then you can bring them into you mm-hmm. know in your lap yeah. right um, right so so a simple diaphragm now would you go with the, like a single read for that <coughs> You know, I, I, I kind of like my double reed diaphragm. I mean, I make turkey reeds too, but what I have a diaphragm uh, rival rival reed. It's a double reed that I like to use in, for everything. I like to call elk with it. I can howl with it. Yeah, like but you're a, a freaking nature. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, <laughs> Come on, dude. But my turkey call with this, you know, I love my turkey call and my mm. elk call. So... Uh. For a beginner, though, you know, we always recommend single, single. read, just yeah. being the easiest it's easier to, to yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll get the high pitch noise with it, kind of just a high pitch like locator. Okay. Um, but for a double read, a cut double read gets you that raspy noise. You can get the lower um, when they're in close, the lower call with it. And, but and, and in my opinion, <coughs> if you're trying to get a purr, I think a, for a beginner, a slate, in my opinion, yeah. is is the easiest so, to get it and be able to drag it, and you get that that purr the easiest it, and then you can drag it th- 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 and you get the putt yep, after the yep. purr. so for me that seems the easiest all right let's switch to elk yep so now let's say this ha- this gentleman has a small uh, bit of of experience at least they're not choking and they're not gagging mm. okay so where do we do we start them with a single read mm-hmm. yeah i always start all my students with a single read just mm-hmm. because especially my single because i stretch it really tight and what that does is it gives it a reaction where mm-hmm. it really responds to just about any kind of pressure and air. I mean, it's very easy to make a call. And as soon as I can get somebody to make a just a high note or mm-hmm. a noise, we're good as gold. Okay. It's the person that's struggling to make a noise that I have a hard time they teaching. get really discouraged, right. you know. And it's like frustrating, mm-hmm. you know, but and sometimes they try too hard. It's just mm-hmm. you're so tense and you're trying so hard and really you don't need to try hard, mm-hmm. you know. The reed will do the work. You I just need to gotta, get, it's just gotta you be You guys made right. a smaller frame. We mm-hmm. did, yeah. I need to I, I need to get one of those for my daughter mm-hmm. because I think that would be extremely influential for her mm-hmm. because she has been you know, Kids, along with yeah. me trying mm-hmm. to, but if I could get her to where she's making that noise and then teaching her, you know, to to mm-hmm. drop that drop tongue, that tongue yeah. you know, versus pushing harder, mm-hmm. you know, you want that high note to the, you know, yeah. especially when you're turkey calling. But then, um, but with elk calling, I think it's, I think you have to have a good ear. But sometimes, uh, you know, the basic mew or or 
you know, when you're vacillating and the, you know, I mean, part of that is your imagination. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to put your own emotion into that. Yep. But if you can't make a noise. Yeah. Yeah, then it's tough. It's then you got to go to the hoochie mama yeah. or, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. one of the squeeze calls, which, yeah. you know, a lot of people badmouth the hoochie mama now but i'll tell you that was probably one of the best inventions in the hunting history mm. was oh, yeah. that hoochie mama call did you did you ever see uh so um jr um I know JR. jr's yeah. good friend of mine so jr was very influential in that i don't remember what they called it but it uh it was basically you're talking jr keller right yeah jr yeah. keller uh-huh uh, i've known jr for years yeah we've <laughs> called against yeah each he's, other a, he's a great dude um uh I, I call him just to see what he's doing about once every quarter. Right. Just, yeah. How are you doing, He's a man? great guy. Um, but he, they, they made that block that, uh, with I guess with HS, um, where it had a diaphragm in it, kind of, and you pushed on a plunger. Right. I did see that. I never tried it. But like, that You want to talk about somebody that physically could not put a diaphragm in their mouth and they felt uncomfortable? That was, that the, was a good I, one, yeah. I was in Kentucky the first year I hunted Kentucky for elk. And uh, let me tell you about it. I, I had like three of them. He'd given me like three of them. And I handed it to a guy and I spent five minutes I spent like five minutes um, working on on basics. So pull, push, and, and, I, and I, I'd show it to him and then they'd do it. And I thought, okay, well, these guys were from Kentucky. They didn't know a thing about elk hunting. Here I am trying to teach them, right, like I'm somebody. Of course, I call it a totally different way, but I knew that was, for a beginner, that was simple. They come back with a little handy cam that night, and they call in a five-point bull to within, like, eight yards of them. And, he, and every time he'd go to leave, they'd go, and he'd turn around and come back. And, I mean, if you listen to the, to the bugle, it sounds like a bugle. Right. It doesn't sound like King of the Mountain, but it sounds sure. like they called a bull elk in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they didn't shoot him, and they should have shot him, and then they never called in another bull. But, this but, is not the yeah, way it goes. But what I'm, what I, yeah, I was, they're, like, they're like, this is easy, right? It was their first try, and they're like, well, I'm just going to wait for a big bull, because they'll come into that. Well, it didn't happen that way. Right. But it was really interesting, because that design was so revolutionary. But it's still off the same principle that a diaphragm is built on. The, t- the, the plunger was your tongue. It was providing the pressure, and then, you know, and then forcing right, the air where right. it needed to go through. Yep. So, yep. Um, open read calls. There's a place for those. Absolutely. Yeah. And even, you know, for guys that are um, really struggling with the diaphragm call, great, great little call. They can they can use the open read call. Um, but not even, even for guys that, that are great at diaphragm calling. I love the open read call. Number one, you can do great estrus calls with it. Right. And uh, I like to mix it in. So, you know, I'll take our floozy double or open read call and I'll have the diaphragm call in my mouth as well. So it'll be in the roof of my mouth. So I can sound like different elk when I'm calling. And that's what I like to do. I like to sound like five, six, seven cows when I'm calling. So I'll hit that diaphragm call. It's just a totally different tone. It is. And, and, and the funny thing is, I 
that little sequence you just did put me back into a spot. I'm thinking of it two years ago. Exa- sounded exactly like that in the fact that you had one cow with his head this her head this way one this way and then a younger then an older mm-hmm. right and, and and it's just all of those different tones coming out and it adds to along with like a, you got a montana decoy elk mm-hmm. decoy here it it's all about adding to the mirage mm-hmm. yep exactly yeah. yep yep and the excitement yeah. and mm-hmm. you know and it's you know, if you want to hit that estrus call with this, you can do it with a diaphragm. It's a hard thing to learn with a diaphragm because you're mm-hmm. hitting that high note and then you got to drop off of it and growl at the same time right. to Slowly, get that yeah. growl. So it's. <laughs> so you're kind of growling at the end of it, but with the open read call, it's much easier. So you're just kind of whining at but the you're, end. But you're adding the voice at the end, which mm-hmm. gives it the resonance of the growl or the right. buzz. And whatever. it has to be whining. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that we have overcomplicated things. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Camel <laughs> is for us. <laughs> it is. It's for okay. personal it preference. Um, <laughs> I, I believe that there's a lot of things that we do, <clears throat> which I'm not knocking. I, I love quality gear. I, I wear sick of gear and it's a layering system. But um, I'm not gonna put my success on whether I'm wearing subalpine right. or, a, or mm-hmm. uh, a, a, an earth tone, mm-hmm. right? Right. But I do need the gear. It's gonna keep me warm. Mm-hmm. It's gonna keep me cool when I'm warm. It's gonna keep me warm when I'm cool, when I'm cold. You know, there's, there's reasons to do it. So there's no reason to not be comfortable. But sometimes I think in our calling, although these are elk sounds, and if you've been in the elk woods and you sit there and then all of a sudden you're like, I cannot believe that bull just mute. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or did that cow just bugle? bugle. Yeah, they yeah. yeah. And I've and I've heard that a couple times and, and but I would never I've heard it so f- infrequently I would never use that oh that's in, in my bag field, of tricks yeah. you know mm-hmm. um, so it's, I think I think what you guys do is is and I was talking to them when you were helping that gentleman that I think we'd be remiss if we don't when we leave here not get back together and and do a step by step even if it's in the podcast and we've set up a camera and sure. run because I think We've hit the nail on the head, and you guys are doing this in one-on-one confrontation, and your and your sem- not confrontations, but co- conferences right. or or training sessions, mm-hmm. uh, and your seminars. Yeah. I know you do uh, a bunch of those where you bring people in and you teach them. Um, I would like to um, Lane Walter. Do you know Lane? I don't think so. Okay, uh, he's firefighter, lives in Loveland. Okay. Uh, so he's one of the part of the part outback outdoors. Um, I, I would love to get us together. Um, uh, we work with a gentleman, Adam Wells, who's uh, one of my best buddies and actually helped founded Outback Outdoors, Dave Baronio, these guys. And we all call differently. Mm-hmm. Adam's probably the most experienced caller. Um, he'll take his finger and go like this and make a cow call that sounds phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Because when he was a kid, he was kind of one of those guys you know right. that yeah. was always making noises animal noises how can I <laughs> and he'd suck his lip in together and then all of a sudden sound like a cow call and you're like yeah. wow that's pretty and he's I've seen him do it when he's in a situation he'll just go like this and he does it and <laughs> and he's screwing around a lot of times you know because he'll have a diaphragm in his mouth all the time but I think it would be good just to, just to be able to go hey let's let's get together and let's um, let's investigate yeah, mm-hmm. um, it, we'll throw out some stuff to the uh, uh, the 
Insta, Twitter, feed, yeah. Facebook, whatever <laughs> world, and get yeah. some questions. Right. And then maybe get together and kind of do a impromptu uh, calling uh, seminar um, and, and and talk about some different things. I would love for people to be have the confidence to take a Justin, for example, to, to have the confidence to break the silence. You guys, I think right. you need it, nailed it on the head. It is. I never mm-hmm. thought of it that way, but it is a, it is a fear to break the silence. Yep, mm-hmm. it is. And yet, when you do it, and then that bull, right. you like it. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. Yeah, I communicated with an elk. Yeah, you know, okay, now what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. Right. Well, what's you know, next? And I'll tell you, you know, a Regroup. lot of times you call that bull in, to 15 yards, the wind swirls, and you don't get a shot at it. It's still a successful oh, yeah. hunt. Oh, every bit. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we, I called an elk in today, we, you know. We use the uh, fly fishing analogy, right? And, I mean, presentation is everything. And I'll, and I'll do a drift and a, a perfect mend, and I don't get a bite. Right. right. I, that but was still, a great yes. drift. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. a great drift. Yeah. So, so in that situation, or or maybe I do get, and I miss, you know, mm-hmm. I miss the, ca- the uh, snagging it. But I think that's very true. You you call that in the interaction in and of itself yeah. is the reward. Right. Yeah. So. Of course, if it happens 15 times in a row, you're pretty frustrated at the end of it. And you yeah. want to right. go on elk. But, yeah. but, but I mean, you know, a lot so of students fun. you get too, though, you know, they call you back at the end of the season and they're just thrilled that they called an elk yeah. in. Right. Dude, yeah. You're and not going like, to believe what yeah. happened to yeah. me. Because yeah. 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 a lot of guys come to me and they haven't seen an elk in four years of hunting. Right. I can't tell you how many times I have been in a situation with camp, two cameramen behind me. We're walking out of the woods or whatever. And I see these two guys. And I say, hey, how's it going? Man, there's just no elk here. Mm-hmm. We've been on elk every day. Right. And I got two guys I'm dragging around. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so uh, part of that is um, the proverbial, uh, there's a difference between the proverbial taking your bow for a walk and hunting. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't walk like I used to. I spend I a either. lot of time glassing. I'm not necessarily moving in a country unless I know elk are there. I've either heard them or I've seen them. Yeah. And um, a lot of people just think, well, the more ground, and this used to be the way we thought. That's the more a, yeah. ground you cover, <laughs> you, the more chances you're going to get, especially right. with the rifle. You bump them up, bam. Right, but I think we were walking by him a lot. Oh, I, I know, totally agree. Right I totally because I have areas. I have sat and watched a herd of elk, and two guys walk by them twenty yards, and the elk never got moved. up. Yep, mm-hmm. never moved. And I'm like, hmm, those smart little boogers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hunt this one area that's kind of a transition area, and people, it's only a mile off the road. People walk through it every morning and i'm set up in this spot and they're walking by me i've killed eight elk in that spot in that that one spot nobody hunts there they just walk right by it i'm just like i have a similar situation uh, a similar story in uh in wyoming uh 2014 i drew that green mountain in wyoming and uh, we'd had a a great hunt and i had actually had a cameraman that had to, to leave and I'm like, crud, man. We we were hunting this one bull, and I knew I was going to get him. I knew I was going to, if I stayed with it and was smart, I was going to have an opportunity. And my cameraman had to leave. So there was an old cowboy on this ranch who was we were pretty good friends with and um we talked him into run he'd never touched a camera in his life i put everything which i i am a firm believer you don't do this i put everything on automatic and i said just point and hit the record so we go out there's like three people in this spot where i've been trying to hunt this bull i'm like dang so now it's the last day of the hunt we go back and we eat lunch and i'm like we got to go find some elk i've got to leave tonight 
we head around, and this old cowboy is knows this country, and we're driving the roads in the pickup, and I'm try, I'm looking at a map. I'm trying to figure out it's public land. I'm trying to figure out okay, well, I just need to find something. He goes, you know what? If we if we park right here, we walk over this little ridge. There is a there's a bowl back there about 400 yards long. He said, I bet you that's so close to the road, no one will think about it. He said, I said, sounds like good logic to me. <laughs> so we get out, we climb over just this. I mean, it's not, but probably it ties the ceiling over. And sure enough, there's this beautiful little bowl there. Q, my buddy Quinn Smith, he bugles. Two bulls hit. Oh yeah. <laughs> so then we bail off in there. Wind's right. You know, it's it's. It, we still got thermals coming up. It's about one thirty, two o'clock. Get in there, and you know those clear cuts that come back look like a Christmas tree farm, right? Yeah. And it, it's thick. Oh thick. yeah. So we're trying to work because they're on the other side. I'm trying to get just to the edge where I could have a shot. And Q's about 50, 30, 30 to fifty yards behind me, trying to keep the bull talking. Sure. And I'm. I don't care if he comes in. I'm going to sneak in and get an arrow in him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in I'm desperation. Right. We get there, and we get blocked in the path through this Christmas tree little area, this clear cut that's overgrown, and the bull's coming. And I'm like, oh, crap. And I look, and there's an opening on a big trail right here. And I look, and I see antlers. And I'm like, I'm going to shoot him right freaking there. <laughs> and he's coming, and he's coming. We got the wind good. I come to draw. He must have caught some glimpse. Oh, yeah. But right before I come to draw, he stops and bugles. I mean, oh, I, I couldn't see if he looked like that, but I always envisioned <laughs> right. he looked like that. You know that little picture right, there yeah. on, the, on the deal? With just, and he's four yards away. Oh, oh, there's no way I can get an arrow through that, right? Oh. So he comes through. Anyway, make a long story short, he blows out because I try to come to full draw. We do make it to the other side. We call him back in. Nice. I shoot him 17 yards. Oh, nice. he, he's coming into queue, right? A Beautiful. little pocket you would have never thought. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. And the reason we went in there is we said, this is a little pocket. You'd never think. Nobody right. would <laughs> so uh, the big thing right now, and we were talking about this the other day, is that the big thing, Aaron Snyder is a good friend of mine, and Cameron Haynes, and these guys are this backcountry, right? We got to go deep. Well, what's happening is if you get a mile off the road or you get 10 miles off the road, there's all these pockets in the middle that mm -hmm. people aren't hunting. Mm -hmm. They're either way deep or they're just right. off the road, right? Yeah. So there's a lot. So I guess that goes back to you hunt where elk are. You right. don't hunt where you think elk are. Right. You've heard the term, oh, this looks elky. Well, that's great. But unless there's there. elk yeah. there, yeah. Right. because they can be three ridges over, mm -hmm. yeah. which in Kentucky is very different. Mm -hmm. You bump elk in Kentucky, they'll go 200 yards. It's so thick. Oh, they yeah. do, they're not as, as spooked as our elk. Um, and so it's a very dip, but you can't get to them. Mm -hmm. You literally physically can't get to them and they can't get to you. So your setups have to be thought out. Yeah. Because there's all, it's, it's briars. It's, it, imagine blackberries to your thigh. Right. And then you have autumn olives. And so you have to be real strategic in that. Sure. But oh, hunting in Kentucky. Oh, yeah, so I fun. would definitely <laughs> like to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we've been going for almost an hour now, guys. Thanks so much. Let's uh, let's commit to each other. We'll get together after this is over. Set some time. Maybe, uh, maybe heck, maybe even uh, uh, you know, shoot some 
shoot some critters. Yeah, yeah. make a plan. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Um, I just think it's it's we're so close. It's it's fun, and you know we've been working with Phelps and and Phelps Game Call. Jason is a good friend of mine, and but in this industry, there's so there's there's just good people. Mm-hmm. There is, and you know, and we're all friends. You yeah, know, I, you really I like get, Jason. Every, you guys know Corey's everybody. A great guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and I know Rocky well. I mean, he hugs me every time I right. see him. And yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a nice community, and everybody shares and. And, and I don't care what call you're using. Mm-hmm. If you're using it effectively and ethically, and you know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, it, it's one of those things that we we're all hunters. We all need to be on hunters. the same team. We right. do, yeah. and you know, it, it's great to have offerings. But with an offering like this, that's where your personal service has to come in, right. because this is a specialized and a learned um, art. Um, and and without that, uh, without that backing of training you're not going to utilize the product to its greatest yep, extent exactly so yep, you know. exactly. that's exactly right well that's awesome i uh thank you for your time and as always for you listeners out there uh inspired wild man we want you to go out we want you to find what inspires you go out to those wild places whether it's your grandpa's back 40 or the <laughs> the foothills of the rocky mountains and and embrace that god bless and we'll see you down the road thanks god Trevor. bless thank yes. you everyone